Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, I am joined by Aaron Borgman. Aaron's a physical therapist and athletic trainer that worked in the NFL for 12 seasons. In this episode, we talk about his experience, what life is like working in the NFL, and some tips on getting into professional sports. Welcome to the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Reinold from MikeReinold.com. Hey, Aaron, what's going on? Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me for today. Heck, it's exciting. It's not every day that you get to hang out with somebody that has spent so long at the professional sport level, especially in the NFL, which is a really challenging job. But for 12 years in there, it's not it's not every day you get to hang out with somebody like yourself, but I also feel like you and I share so many similarities that uh, it's funny. I feel like I'm just talking to myself with a lot of our conversations. So hopefully this will be a really good uh, conversation where we just go back and forth and agree with each other, right? <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's been it's been a wild ride. Uh, I don't think that I could have ever imagined that life would have brought me to this point. I just knew forever that I wanted to work in the NFL full time. And I did that. And I feel like, you know, when it got to the end of my personal time, I didn't accomplish any one particular set of goals. It was more of a feeling that I wanted to advance and do other things in life. And, you know, that was both personal and professional. And I never in a million years envisioned opening up my own business. But here we are four years later and we're sometimes flying by the seat of our pants, sometimes with a little bit of structure. So we'll see. And that that's how it goes, right? You learn by experience and you're somebody that's so used to putting their head down and grind, but also succeeding, right? Like there is no option for fail, right? If, if things don't go well, you, you pivot and you, you come back ahead. And I think that's what makes all of us, you know, you know, all, all of us really appreciate people like yourself. So, so Borgman Rehab Solutions, that's your new private practice that you've been doing for the last few years. How's everything going? Yeah, it's good. Uh, the, looking back, the name needs a lot of help. I probably would have <laughs> never done that again, but that's what I ended up on. And I was like, oh yeah, this will be great. But uh, it, so yes, uh, private practice here in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, take on all clients, not just athletes. Um, mobile by design. I don't have an office. I work out of my truck. I put everything I need for the day in my truck. I go to a house or a gym or an office sometimes. I see literally everybody from eight to 80 um, you know, uh, we'll take care of any condition within, you know, my feeling that I'm good at. So I do a lot of referring out still to this day. Uh, you know, all the Tommy John guys here in town love me because every time <laughs> I see a baseball player, like, uh, you better go over that way. <laughs> but, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I haven't done a Tommy John since college. So, um, you know, uh, been doing good stuff here, uh, like the direction that we're going as an entity, um, you know, just trying to see where the world takes us. I love it. And from spending 12 years with probably the least amount of autonomy possible, you now are in a position where you have some sort of autonomy of your day. So congratulations for that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I could have told you um, on a Tuesday at 3.30 in the afternoon in November what I'd be doing every year. And then now it's like, yeah, some days I want to... Uh, you know, be the marketing guy because I'm a one man business now. Some days I have to be the accounting guy. Some days I have to be the <laughs> clinician. 
some days I'm the guy that tells the boss that I want to go play golf. <laughs> so, you know, there's a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, there's a lot of self-responsibility that comes with that, um, which I'm not great at. And I have to like really bear down. But, uh, you know, it's been it's been a really cool challenge to try to take on something different in life that I never thought I was going to do. Of course, of course. And and heck, I feel like we just uh, outlined your next uh, episode that you're a guest on, because I think we could talk <laughs> about this model that you've built, because I do think a lot of people are, you know, there's a lot more entrepreneurial spirit now. A lot of people that want to have autonomy over their lives. I feel like we could almost have a podcast where we talk about that. But to me, the sure. big low hanging fruit for you, obviously, is heck, man, you, you're in the NFL for 12 years. And there's a lot of stuff we need to talk about for that, right? So lots of students, early career professionals, they all want to get in pro sports and a ton want to get into football. Right. I'm sure you see that all the time. So mm -hmm. I, I don't have as good of advice. Actually, we just had one of our students just get a job in the NFL. So that was cool to see. Um, but uh, for me, I don't have as much experience with the NFL. So wh why don't we start with this? Because I think hearing people's almost like evolution story, I think, is sometimes helpful for some of the young people to see what it takes to get in there. But wh why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your story? Like, how did you break into the NFL? How'd that start? Yeah, so in, I'm dual credentialed PTAT, um, and back when I got my AT certification, there was this thing called the internship route, which doesn't exist ah, anymore. Me too, me too. And, me you know, too. I'm, Don't I'm tell one anyone. of those guys. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah okay. me too. I'm happy to tell people. <laughs> um, you know, I'd sat from, I did all my hours in the athletic training room. I sat for my exam, the whole nine yards. I got lucky. I was going to school in St. Louis at St. Louis University, uh, extra credit if anybody knows what a billikin actually is. Um, I don't. I, uh, well, it's a, it's a mythical creature, like a leprechaun, <laughs> just that way. Um, but so I was, uh, very fortunate and got two consecutive summer fall internships with the St. Louis Rams, wow. uh, back when they were still there, uh, finished PT school. Uh, I actually had a cup of coffee, uh, in the NFL Europe world wow. and, uh, got, was supposed to go to Germany during 2006 during the world cup season in Germany. So I was really, really excited about that. And then the Philadelphia Eagles called me two weeks before training camp for NFL Europe said, Hey, we have a job. Do you want it? I go, uh, yeah, but I have this other thing. We, we did some negotiation. We got out of that. Um, nice. I went to training camp for NFL Europe for a couple of weeks till they found my replacement, um, moved to Philadelphia sight unseen, um, had never been to the city of Philadelphia, started working for the Eagles and Novacare there in Philadelphia at the time, uh, spent seven years there, um, we, we kind of knew things were going south uh, my last season there with uh, the front office and the coaching staff. Um, thought we might be getting out as an entity, as a family at that time. Uh, Coach Reed then got hired here in Kansas City. We're like, yes, going back closer to home. Um, and so kind of begged, borrowed, and stole my way here. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of uh, sleepless nights during that time period for as a family. Uh, spent five great years here. And Kansas City is the second in command on the medical staff as far as athletic training, physical therapist goes. Um, did uh, did a lot of really cool rehabs and cool things here that I had never done before because I did have so much, uh, you know, responsibility here as a, as opposed to Philadelphia where I was lower on the food chain. And you know, after five years and my kids getting a little bit older and my wife's career taking off, I decided to pivot. And it was a big pivot. I had a contract in hand and said, you know what, I'm going to go do something else. Um, but a lot of, lot of to, respect to, for that to, to bring it back to your quick, thank you very much to bring it back to your point. I got lucky. I was in the right spot at the right time after putting in a ton of internship hours and resume building. And I'll be the first to tell you, it was a little bit of luck that played its role too, but 
I, you know, I believe in kind of making your own luck a little bit by stacking all those things and saying, yes, I will go do this for nothing. Yes, I will stick my head in here. And yes, I will ask those questions. And, you know, eventually some of that led to some good stuff. That's a very long winded answer. I, I know it. it is, but that's what I gave for you. No. And, and heck, you know, that last part right there, I think was actually really powerful because, you know, I, I struggle with that internally a lot too. And when I reflect on some of the experiences I've been through and some of my other friends, cause I do say the same thing that, yeah, I, I got super lucky, right? We, there's, there's a lot of things, but man, you and I, we, we put ourselves in position to have luck fall on us. Right. Is that, is that, is that almost like a way of saying like, there was still a lot of effort by us like to work on that. And like you said, it's cumulative. I thought that was really neat. It's almost like, yes, you still need luck, but we almost like really, really like tried to increase the odds of it happening by all those cumulative things we did. Right. Yeah. Look, we all need luck in life. And I think people that say things like, you know, there's no such thing as luck. It's all hard work. Well, yeah, there's everybody works hard for the most part. I mean, I don't think that anybody's going to tell you that if they they love what they do, that they don't work hard at it, but you still right place, right time is real. It really is. And, you know, <laughs> the irony being a real quick story is that I, I got lucky because a coach in Philadelphia took an athletic trainer with him to, to Minnesota and then they needed a spot. So then I filled into the spot in Philadelphia. Seven years later, that coach is back on our staff in Kansas City. I said, you've never met me and you don't know me, but you caused me to be in the NFL and you didn't even know it. So thank you. You know, right. And, and he and I are great friends now, um, even though I didn't meet him until eight years into my journey. But he caused me to have the journey. Wow. So, you know, that's just the weird thing about professional sports. As you well know, everybody kind of knows each other and it all goes right. round and round. But to your point, you got to put yourself in a position when the time comes for someone to do the choosing that you stand out and that you have the ability to separate yourself from your experiences. And the gentleman that hired me said, look, I hired you because you had these experiences and because you had somebody on your resume whose name I knew and I trusted. Point blank, end of discussion. And I was like, yeah, now let's run with it. Let's go. Right. And and it's funny. Again, you said right place, right time, but there was probably eight other people in that same place at that same time too. Right. So it's, again, is there luck for sure, but there's a lot of just putting yourself in that position to succeed. And I think, I think you should be really proud of that. Um, I'm not sure how NFL Europe feels about this, but I think it worked out well for you. Right. But, uh, I, I think I know your former boss then because we, <laughs> yeah. I was down in, in Birmingham, uh, where we took care of all NFL Europe, Mayfield. Kind, of, kind of ironic. So Mayfield Armstrong, he, Mayfield. uh, He's, uh, he's the man, but he, uh, yeah, he was, I, I, you know, I'll have to think back in time if he was really upset at that time, but I felt like he was in a bad mood right around that time. And maybe that, maybe this is wise because he left I'm him. I'm pretty sure dry. it wasn't me. <laughs> well, that was probably the last year of the X, uh, I, wow. I said XFL, but, uh, yeah. NFL Europe, right. It's XFL too, but, um, but that was kind of going on his way out anyway. Yep. Yeah, but awesome. So, so again, I think hearing people's like origin stories, I think is super helpful. You started off with internships and you got that through your school. Is that correct? We'll be back after a quick break. I hope you're enjoying the podcast episode. If you want to learn more from me, please check out my website, MikeRinald.com. In addition to all my great articles, videos, and podcast episodes, I have a ton of online CEU courses, as well as my inner circle online mentorship and community. Be sure to subscribe to my free newsletter where I'm always sending you great info and exclusive perks and discounts. Just head to MikeRinald.com to get started. Thanks so much. 
Uh, yeah. So a little, we, we had contacts through our school. It wasn't a, a program through the school. Like you had to actually go out and like apply for it yourself and I take see. the initiative and do all that. And I had, I had previously had one through PBATS with the Cardinals in St. Louis as a mm. summer internship where I sat in the dugout all summer, which I thought was awesome. Decided that baseball wasn't going to be for me because of the time <laughs> commitment. And somehow I got the, the, the thought in my head that, oh, yeah, the NFL is a lot better time commitment than baseball. <laughs> and quickly found out that, you know, it, it's all about the same in a roundabout way. Right. But um, decided that I wanted to do training camp and fall internships. Now, normally training camp internships is where it stops. But because I lived uh, pretty close to the complex, I just started dropping by during the week and they didn't tell me no. So I just kept I, going. I Probably annoyed some people, but I got a lot of experience out of it. My face was always there. My name was in, in the, you know, conversation all the time. So, you know, just kept doing things until people told me to stop, basically. I, I And you know what? I can't tell you how many people share that very same experience that you just said that that I know. So, I mean, obviously, that's a very powerful thing if so many people kind of felt that same way. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you no know, good tidbit for people out there. You got to put yourself out there. You got to get in front of people and you got to donate your time. I think, you know, that's, that's such an important thing. It's getting harder, right? Everybody's in so much student debt right now, but you can still find ways to donate your time and to do that because that, that's how you get to that right place. So you can be there at the right time. I think that's, that's important. Um, a lot's changed right in the league since you got started. There's probably more formal methods of people getting involved now, right? Do, are, do we have like actual student clinical rotations through physical therapy schools? Are there internships that are a little bit more strategically set up? Are there residencies? What, what are some of the opportunities that you would tell somebody now if they were in your position when you were getting started? <laughs> Yeah. So the answer is yes and no to all of that. And it's very team dependent. <laughs> uh, um, okay. And the reason I say that is because now in the NFL, and I can't speak for baseball, that's your domain. The NFL, every team medically from a physician standpoint is sponsored by a local, you know, healthcare management organization. Here mm -hmm. in Kansas City, we happen to be sponsored by KU Med, uh, which makes sense, right? It's regional. So there's a lot of different opportunities based upon teams. Some medical staffs have decided to offer uh, residencies or internship programs for credit through local universities. That's not everybody. And um, you can get on uh, the Professional Football Athletic Trainers website to find out about that, pfats.com or org. I can't even remember which one it is. But yes, so there's more varied opportunities. It used to be, hey, I'm just going to call up and ask to uh, lug a water cooler for all summer <laughs> and then uh, you know hopefully do a good job. It's way more sophisticated than that now. And I think that's a good thing to your point because then what happens is you get more education out of it. And it's not just grunt labor. And listen, I'm, I'm here for all the conversation about we shouldn't do unpaid grunt internships. And I get all that, but that's still a part of it, right? Like you still have to do some level of work on a day-to-day -day basis at training camp. Training camps is a grind. Uh, spring training is a slog. Like it, it, there's no matter what we do in our profession as PTs or ATs or whatever, like there's, there's a, there's a, a manual aspect to it. And I think we're losing that as an edge too often that work is physical, right? Like we, we still have to put ourselves out there. That's why we have to stay in shape. That's why we have to exercise. Um, because if not, I don't make it through the day lugging my table out of my truck every day and my bag out of my truck every day, that 35 pound table that I take. So, you know, I, I think that the mindset has become that while we are getting better at being an educated profession, we can't lose the edge of being 
a physically demanding profession as well. I love that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think sometimes people underestimate maybe what it takes to do this, right. And what it takes in terms of not only the physical, but even just like the mental commitment, you have Absolutely. to be prepared. You gotta, you have to be prepared to work 24 uh, seven. Otherwise somebody else will. Right. So same thing with the internships. Okay. You, you want to demand a paid one, which trust me, I'd rather it be paid. I'd rather them all be paid, but somebody will do it for free. So, you know, if you always have that sort of competition, you just, you, you have to be able to like be at least prepared for that. Right. So, sure. so, so going off that a little bit, why don't you help people prepare? Why don't you walk us through a little bit of what it's like working in the NFL? Cause I, I love these, these, these parts of the stories too, right? Uh, in, in baseball, we talk about a day in the life a lot, just because every day is exactly the same. It's terrible. Right. But for you, I feel <laughs> like it's, it's almost like a week, almost like on a week to week basis, right? Like where your weeks are cyclical, where our days are cyclical. So what I, I I'd love to hear about a little bit is like, what's a week life like during the season in the NFL for somebody in the, the medical staff, the physical therapy team, but even the others, what's it like? Yeah. So throughout training camp, training camp is just its own unique monster <laughs> where you get zero sleep and you're up <laughs> at all hours of the night. And you, you, that, that's, that's not even talk about that. Okay. So you play a game on a Sunday, presumably, you know, there's obviously exceptions to that Monday morning is all hands on deck. Let's figure out what we got kind of thing. Right. Um, it's, diagnosing of all the injuries by 10 or 12 in the morning, wherever you're at, it is, you know, MRIs, x-rays, scans, doctor's office visits. And then by Monday mid-morning, you kind of have a decent picture, or at least Monday late in the afternoon, you have a decent picture about what you got. Okay. So then you kind of do this roundup and go like, okay, here's how we're going to attack this week. Tuesday, really big work day. Although, you know, you get there every day, you get there at 6 a.m. That's just the way it is. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I would shower, eat at work, which is a great perk, but then you got to be like ready to go. Right. And so Tuesday's your big day of rehab. You know, you try to get people moving, whether it's in an alter G or a hydro works pool, get the soreness worked out, really see where people are going to go. Because guess what? Wednesday's right over there. And Wednesday coaches want people to practice again. And so right. you really only have 48 hours to diagnose, get people moving, get people functional and hope that they can perform some fashion on Wednesday. Now, this is where the NFL has changed a lot in the last decade or so where guys are getting a lot more off days. Guys are getting, you know, things where they don't, they have player rest days. That whole concept of load management that the NBA is bringing on is making its way to the NFL. Um, but practice starts Wednesday. Practice, uh, practice days are, you know, long and hot, and tiring. And, you know, on, even on practice days on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we see guys five times a day, five wow. times for either treatment or rehab sessions. And those could be guys that aren't going to play or guys that are even going to play. Obviously, the guys that are going to play take more precedent. The guys that aren't going to play still get work, but it's more off to the, you know, the back burner because, you know, the, 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 the week comes quick. Right. And then, you know, Thursday is kind of the same thing. Wednesday and Thursday are basically the same. Friday is kind of the wind down day. If you're not ready by Friday morning, they're probably not going to play. And then everything gets shoved to the following Monday and Tuesday for those people, right? Friday, you uh, have a shorter day, er. You get out of the building at 5 p.m. instead of 7 or 8 p.m. And then Saturday, you have a very quick day uh, from a team standpoint with practice. And you're either jumping on a plane to go someplace, Seattle, Denver, whatever. Or you get to go home at 2 o'clock and spend three or four hours with your family. 
before you have to go back to the hotel for Saturday night treatments, which oh, wow. uh, is a, is a discussion for another time. <laughs> and then, you know, then, then it's game day, right? Yep. It's, it's game day and game day is the most beautiful, crazy, hectic, chaotic dance of actual care and triage that you could ever imagine. I think the medical staff on game day, you know, we do our normal routine, getting guys ready for the game. But then once the game starts, it's really triage. You know, there's not many times now where you see guys get injured in an NFL game and then come back. That, those days are dwindling quickly, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, people are playing more for the future, the long haul in the season now, as opposed to every day in game. If a guy suffers, uh, you know, any kind of mild or moderate injury, he's more than likely not coming back, obviously, than the other tiny tweaks and twinges and whatnot. And so it's really triage and like getting guys ready to go again then for Monday, which again, the cycle starts all up again. Right. Um, so wow. take that time 17, 18 now. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was taking some crazy notes for my fantasy football league, to be honest with you, too. So Friday morning, super important for, for you know, because sometimes you get that guy, you're trying to figure out if you should put in your roster. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, to me, the part that I think that's really unique that you're you probably underestimate how good you get at certain things. You get really good at diagnosing things quick. You get really good at prognosing because of of the repetitions that you have, right? You have such good clinical judgment because you see so many injuries a week that you can kind of go through that. It's, that's really neat. But one thing that I wanted to ask you about, which I think is really cool here, is you have a 48-hour window to help people recover, to get ready for probably one of the most physically taxing sports out there, right? Because not only do you have repetitive injuries, but you have, you have contact and hardcore you know, traumatic type injuries, right? I, I, me as a baseball athletic trainer, I'm literally helping people clip fingernails and put contacts in their <laughs> eyes, right? And, and you have real injuries that are sometimes even life-threatening. But those 48-hour windows that you said there from Monday to Wednesday, I thought was really neat to kind of hear more about because I feel like a lot of us could learn from that experience is what are some of the things that you think are the most helpful ways to get athletes to recover that quick so that, we, that way they can be prepared? prepared for Wednesday again? What are the things that you guys do? Yeah. So the, the real easy answer is like, okay, let's talk about the best modalities in the world. <laughs> and let's talk about all these fancy machines that do this, that do that. I'm going to throw every bit of that out the window. And I'm going to say movement. Right. We, we, we preach to people every day. Like, even if you're not hurt, let's set, let's set aside that you're not hurt. You just did a gladiator thing for, you know, three hours. Your body is trashed. Come into the athletic training room. Let's move. Let's let's get in the hydro works. Let's get in the uh, the weight room. Let's get in the alter G. Let's just move. Let's do restorative yoga. Let's do something to flush your body out. Let's and, and you know I'm not I'm here for the discussion of all the science of how and when to do that. I'm not saying that uh, there's some sports scientists that are really going to get on me about the timeframes about doing this. <laughs> but um, we like we like active recovery, right? Okay. As as what we promoted as an entity. And we think that it really benefited our players quite a bit to come in and have movement sessions. And, uh, you know, with, with diagnosed injuries, uh, we, we, we believe in rest. Let's have active rest. Let's get things going in the right direction. So we, even if we can't make Wednesday, let's at least talk about Thursday for a partial and maybe a full on Friday. And so, you know, we start bargaining with that. And my boss and I, we would stand on the sidelines and go, okay, that guy that just went inside, 
he's a two to three week deal. I can get him back in 10 days. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Okay. So <laughs> that, okay, that guy that's coming off now, he should be back by Wednesday. We got to have him. He's really important. So this conversation is just even during the game, like if right. something happened in the second quarter, we're talking about Monday and Tuesday morning already. And so like, th- it's just a constant, constant communication and um, kind of slotting people where they're going to fit in that recovery process. And, and I like how you, you focus less on the passive treatments and more on the active recovery. And I think as we learn more about the physiology of all these things, that's going to prove out to be, you know, scientifically accurate, right? Is you look at the, the trauma from eccentric contractions and traumatic injuries, those types of things. It's, it's, it's more about getting them moving because you don't have the luxury of just saying like, oh, take six weeks off and it'll heal up. Like, sure. But. We have to play yeah, you baseball guys days. with hamstrings. Like <laughs> you give them a couple of weeks off. We have to have them ready for Wednesday. And we can't, we, we, we can't get them back by Wednesday. So, <laughs> so that's another, we, we got to, when this podcast is over, you got to help me with that because that's something we struggle with. But, uh, but absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, so you get a ton of injuries, obviously, right? Tell tell me a little bit about how you work as a team. How does the physical therapist work with the athletic training crew, with the strength coaches, even the skill coaches? Like, how does that work? How do you all collaborate together during the week? Yeah, so I had a great boss that was good at uh, facilitating all this conversation, right? All my time in the league, I worked for the same person and the same head coach. So I was blessed in that regard. That's um, neat. So uh, it is rare. It's very rare to have that. So I think, you know, being a dual credential person, I wear both hats. I love them both and I hate them both all at the same time, right? And so the way I look at it is there's there's athletic trainers that can out rehab me and I can out acute care some of the oldest athletic trainers in the world. Like we can all be good at our jobs and all live in the same pool and not get mad at each other, right? And so it's constant communication. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. And, and I think doing so especially when it comes to getting guys back in and diagnosing injury, right? Because, you know, in a professional sports team, you don't wait two days to find out the diagnosis. You ship them in an MRI in the first 48 hours or 24 for sure. And then you have that information. You go, okay, well, this is what he can do in the weight room. I got to go talk to the strength coach. This is what he can do here for rehab. I got to talk to either who's ever coordinating his rehab, whether it would be me or one of the other athletic trainers. Let's, let's discuss this and then let's take and keep in mind what that person has to do. Is this person a backup? Does, do they have to play all four phases of special teams? Do they have to take contact later in the week because it's a starting linebacker? Like all of that factors into it. And so the communication between all of those parties has to be so open and so frequent that if not, like stuff breaks down and then a lot of, a lot of bad things come from that. I can see that too. And, and if you don't work together, you're not going to get guys back as fast and, and time Correct. is the essence for you. Right. I mean, man, like you, you got six days to get people back from gigantic injuries that often take normal people four to six weeks. So I don't know how you guys do that. That's, that's, that's really impressive. So. But right, we, I, we, we, we hit a lot, but we also missed a lot too. So <laughs> I, I, I guess it's just, it's, it, it, it is impressive. The, and you, you gotta, you gotta think that it's because of that strict collaboration that you've all bought into almost. Right. And mm-hmm. hopefully we're at a day and age where that's not as, as much of an issue as it used to be, but like having everybody working together, right? Like one big thing we we have with the White Sox, we have a daily meeting where every department's in on that. And we mm-hmm. go over each player in the, in the plan for the day. And if, if anybody were to leave that meeting and not have a clear understanding or, or maybe even a disagreement with the approach for that day, 
that's first off, it's unacceptable, but really it never happens because you have that time to all get on the same page. And wow, does it make the care for the players so much better when you're working together and it's more fun for us, right? Yeah, for sure. We had a big board that we'd all sit around Monday afternoon going, okay, this guy's got this, 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 this is his date of injury. This is where we think he's going to be at. Who's going to take care of his rehab? You know, this, we got to have this guy back by Thursday because the goal line package on Thursday is big for him because he's a defensive tackle, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it all <laughs> plays a role, right? And without all that communication, it's just, it's a mess. Right, right. And I, I'm, I, I'm, ex- I want to work in the NFL now and I've never <laughs> wanted to, but, but I'll, I'm all pumped up from this conversation because it's, I mean, it is exciting. It is right. It's exciting yeah. to be on those meetings and you're together with a team and you're helping the best of the best get back as fast as they can. I mean, you guys are the best of the best and it shows. Well, we, we, we definitely tried to do our best with those guys. It's getting harder and harder every day, but, uh, you know, as the guys get bigger and more physical and the injuries tend to get worse, but, uh, uh, hats off to the people that uh, do it every day now. I know for sure. For sure. So I I'm excited about it, but I also love asking this question to people that have been through pro sports, but, um, now that you're out, like what's one of the things that you think you're going to miss the most. And then just for fun, what's the thing that you probably won't miss at all? The, the, the first answer is the same every single time. And it's not the work. I missed the work. The work was cool. I miss the BS in, in the training room. And because we had a policy in our training room where there was nothing off topic. Like you could not, you could not be upset. Basically, if somebody came <laughs> after you for they were joking about your girl or your mama or anything and everybody was fair game and right. being, you know, I'm, I'm not the world's biggest guy, you know, like I'm five, nine, you know, 185 on a good day. That's and huge I'd to be me. talking huge. to like a six, 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 three twenty guy. And like, we'd be talking crap to each other. And you know, like that, that's what I miss. I miss the camaraderie. <laughs> I miss right. the togetherness, the being in the training room and cutting it up. Um, that, that cannot be replaced. It, it just cannot, even if you're out, you know, hanging with your friends, it's a different environment and it goes beyond, uh, now it goes beyond age and gender and, uh, race and everybody's, you know, if you're there in that environment, it's a team and everybody's working toward the same thing. And that goes for players and support staff and coaches and everybody. So that a, I miss. It, it's a, it's a family for sure. I, and, oh, yeah. and I think that's an important part is you kid around like brothers and sisters do. Right. And, for and sure. I, and I think that's part of that team building process to an extent. Uh, Without yeah. question. What about Sundays though? What about, I mean, Sundays, like I, I hated Sundays. I hated really it. that's because the, the excitement of it playing Phil Collins, like for pregame, right? Cause every team does that's that. That's you right? guys, the fans, <laughs> the people on the field are like moving 10,000 miles an hour and players are shouting each other, coaches everywhere. And that, blah, blah. No, no, no. Get me inside. Like, let me go back inside. Okay. What about the playoffs though? Because you've been with some pretty outstanding teams, right? The playoffs though, that's, that's the playoffs. Amazing. You get the playoffs, get jammed up a little bit. Like <laughs> you get, you get pretty fired up. I've been told to shut up a couple of times, yelling back at refs and things nice. like that on the sideline. And you know, uh, the playoffs get you amped up. And I, I, I was not fortunate enough to ever make it to a Super Bowl. I gained three minutes away. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. I got to work a couple pro bowls. That was cool. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's certain moments, especially get your team rivals, that kind of thing where you get a little bit extra juiced. But, um, you know, Sundays were just okay to me. I, I liked the rehab side of things. I'm a nerd like right. that. I like, I like putting people back out there and then hopefully they perform. Right. And that's why you're so good at your job is that was your, that was your focus. Of course. All right. So yep. what's, what's the thing you're not going to miss? 
Packing trunks. <laughs> I mean, I had there's three trunks I was in charge of my last five years, and I hated every second of it. Counting this, counting that, counting this. Okay, check that off the list every week. That was my least favorite thing to do on Tuesday afternoons to get it done for the rest of the week. I, right. I, nope, I'm I'm done. I'm good. And and it it takes you away from what you love and what you're passionate about too is helping the guys too. So it's not like it's not like you 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 know. I mean, there's always like crap parts of every job, right? But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not the hands-on stuff. It's not as rewarding. So I can see that for sure. That's 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 a good one. I'm glad I asked that because that's a good one. <laughs> so um, awesome. All right, Aaron. I I'm, I I like ending with uh, um, I, although the jury's still out here. I'm calling it the high five, but I'm getting some heat that it's maybe a little too corny to call it the high five. So I'm. I'm going to, again, throw it out there to the listeners if you want to change it. But anyway, five quick, five quick questions, five quick answers. And I think what it does is really help the the listeners understand a little bit about you as a person and, and, and hear a little bit about the way your brain thinks. And I think there's some good, valuable lessons that come from these. But first question is, what are you currently doing right now? What are you reading or what are you working on? What are you doing for your own con ed or professional development right now? Uh, professional development. I'm always trying to be a better parent. Um, I've discovered that, um, that that's a part in me that I didn't ever know that it was going to need this much work. Um, con ed, uh, so I'm reading some parent parenting, you know, advice and psycho child psychology stuff. I know that sounds weird. I listen to a lot of, uh, educational podcasts like the Mike Reinhold show, um, <laughs> to learn some things. Um, and cause I'm not great at absorbing research. I listen to people who talk about research studies because I do better listening to it than I do reading it. And so um, I try to listen to a lot of educational podcasts, even if it's not about PT, if it's whatever, you know, stuff that's covering heavier stuff. Right. And so sure. I, I absorb stuff better because I'm in my truck so much for work. Um, so that's what I'm on right now. I, I am reading a, a fascinating book called The Lion Tamer's Guide to Life that I think is fantastic. Um, trying to get through that. It's a quick read. Um, a couple other light things. Uh, I'm kind of in a rut right now. So if you have any suggestions, let me know um, I on it. that. I, I've been doing a lot of uh, reading on BFR and Achilles uh, repair stuff since I've, there's a pretty big chunk of Achilles repairs is my kind of bread and butter. Um, what I've kind of gotten known for is taking care of Achilles repair. So I'm doing oh. a lot of uh, in-depth BFR stuff on that. And there's so many Achilles tears in the NFL now. That, it, that's going up, right? It seems like there's way more every year. Well, we can talk about why on a separate podcast because I know the reason why, but right. um, it, it's it's uh, it's 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 an epidemic, right? That we didn't right. used to have, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great in training camps. Like, wow, like the the numbers you get in the summer are crazy. So, um, awesome. All right. So, what's one thing that you've recently changed or evolved your thoughts on? Oh man. There's not just one. There's a lot. Um, you know, in our, in our profession, things are constantly going into and out of fad and it'll come back around in five, 10 years. Um, I, 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 I get a, I've changed my thought on getting upset at people being upset with certain things that we know have worked over time. Right. And so, you know, there's this huge craze about manual therapy right now in our profession. And listen, I am not the world's biggest manual therapy guy. I think it has a place. Um, I, there's, there's, I, I, I am tired of people taking things for the sake of taking things out of what we do to help people. And, you know, it's not for everybody and it may not be effective for everybody, but for a certain person that I, I try to get people to move better. And if, if a little bit of manual therapy gets them feeling better, 
in order for them to go do an extra set or an extra bout of exercise, then I'm down with that because then the juice is then worth the squeeze. So that's one thing. That's great. And I, I think you could probably argue that those 48 hours that we just talked about would be a lot more challenging without manual therapy, right? Uh, yes. In that environment, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's, there's definitely a place. So that's awesome. All right. What's one big piece of advice that you'd give a student or an early career professional right now? What's your number one? Um, quit worrying about grades in school and start worrying about how you're going to apply the things that you learn. I like it. And, and because that's where it matters. I, I, I love him to death. And I had a roommate in college who was a presidential scholar, could quote you the book, every book that there was, right? When he got in front of the people, um, couldn't, couldn't do anything. And so I think for students, especially, it's not about what you learn. Cause I carry books with me every day. I forget silly things. For instance, in your world, I, I forgot, you know, all the major thoracic outlet tests the other day. So I brought a book <laughs> with me to the patient's house and me I too. don't care. Like I don't have any, I don't have any shame about not remembering everything. And so getting hung up on that stuff, as opposed to how you apply it and how you bring it to people, I think is the big focus right now for students. That's, that's great advice. Uh, next one is what's coming up next for you. What's new for Aaron? Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, a company that I've partnered with called my health track that mm. we're doing a lot of, uh, forward thinking app based rehab for the masses. And I've been very fortunate to become an advisor for that company and, uh, join up and write a bunch of their, uh, protocols. And, you know, we're, we're trying to bring, especially now with COVID and increased premiums, uh, trying to get, uh, some more independent rehab out there, people that can do it with guided work. Uh, through app-based stuff. Uh, so that's what's on my next horizon that I've been working on a lot in my free, temp, my free time. Um, <laughs> you know, those uh, late nights writing exercise protocols at my office desk uh, right now. Uh, so we're really excited about that. My Health Track is uh, the name of the company. That's great. And congrats on that. That sounds ambitious. I'm, Thank I'm excited you. to see the future of that. Um, great. And then last, how do we learn more about you? Where can people find you? I know you're on social media, website stuff, but what's the best place to come find you? Uh, all over Twitter and Instagram, uh, Rehab All-Star. Again, one of those names that I picked a long time ago that I probably should have changed. But I kind of like went, it. I like it. it. It doesn't pigeonhole me into any one thing. So, um, you know, I, I did it based upon the fact that I, you put anything in front of me and I'll try to take care of it. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on social media. I like to talk and I like to get better um, and learn things on social media because I don't know everything. I'm far from it. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Uh, my website's just BorgmanRehabSolutions.com. Um, and then, uh, you know, happy to talk to anybody about anything at any time. And, and that's, that's a pretty special thing to say. So, um, I, I appreciate that. Take them up on that. Please find Aaron on social media, especially on Twitter, where I, I know I see him, uh, uh, talking all day. So it's, it's great to have you on there. But, uh, but again, thanks for sharing all this great stuff on the podcast for everybody. I, I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of benefit from this. So thanks for being on today, Aaron. No problem. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to me. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRano.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And also be sure to search for my other podcast, The Ask Mike Reynolds Show 
where my team of physical therapists, strength coaches, and I answer your questions. See you on the next episode.